the quadruple A Mets just keep on finding ways to win. The pitching led the way again in Queens on Thursday as the Mets swept the doubleheader and took three of four from the Rockies. We'll discuss the job Luis Rojas has done with this first place team, more injury setbacks, and give you another installment of Figgy's Fables. Our guest this week is my pal Susie Hunter, who is making her way to all 30 stadiums this summer. So have a four-piece nugget and an ice-cold can of Coke. It's time for Memorial Day weekend edition of Amazing But True from the New York Post. Queens, New York. Mets take the field. So amazing. Amazing but true. Orange and blue. So amazing. Here's the pitch. New York folks. It's out of here. We got you. Welcome to Amazing But True, our New York Mets podcast from the New York Post. Jake Brown and Nelson Figueroa coming at you once again. Sorry for the late show today. Obviously, doubleheader shenanigans on Thursday, but we're here on a Friday at Jake Brown Radio at Figgy NYs, where you find us. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. Susie Hunter will join us. She joined me for the double-doubleheader Four games in one day yesterday. We'll talk about her journey around the country, around the baseball stadiums. Figgy, that's something that I've always wanted to do. Hard to get the free time and availability to pull it off. Shout out to her for being able to do this. She'll be vlogging it every step of the way. Looking forward to seeing these vlogs. You'll see me in these vlogs from yesterday where the Mets sweep a doubleheader. They do it with minor leaguers across the board. They do it with Jose Peraza action. They do it with Billy McKinney. Kinney, who they acquire, and then 16 hours later, hey, kid, you're batting cleanup. Like, most people don't know who you are. They think you're related to a president, and you're batting cleanup today. So somehow, some way, Figgy, as we say for the last couple of weeks, the New York Mets are 24-20. and 20, They're in first place, and they got a two-and-a-half game lead in what has been a brutal NLE so far this season. Yeah, I think what you really start have to uh, making the chant and the signs for when you go to these games now is Luis Rojas for manager of the year. Oh, stop it. What do you mean? Come on. What do you mean? If Come it was on. anybody else, you'd be making excuses if they weren't playing well. They're in first place. Come on. They're, I they're saw someone write an article that he should be bad. I'm like, it's May, and they're four games over. They're Let's settle down a little bit here. The pitching has been phenomenal. The pitching is carrying this team, and we knew this team had good pitching. We said the bullpen have a bounce-back year, but the starters have got the job done, and the bullpen's been light years better, Figgy, than what we expected. We thought that might be their one of their bigger weaknesses, considering it was a lot of guys that we weren't sure if they would have bounce-back years. But look at Diaz. Look at Familia. Look at Loop. They've all been pretty solid. Starters? Which starters? There's only been two guys that have been in the rotation the whole time. You say starters, but most of these guys weren't even supposed to be make the team, let alone right now. It doesn't matter. The Mets pitching staff has been the godsend, and I have to give credit to everyone involved in the preparation for these pitchers between pitching coach, assistant pitching coach, the strategist. You got the bullpen coach, Ricky Bones. It's been a, a team effort, and these guys seem like they're very prepared on how to attack hitters and they're executing if you go and you look for like magical numbers the Mets are 15 and 9 in May and it's not because of their hitting they're actually hitting 219 which is 28th best in all of baseball slugging is 29th best the on-base percentage is 23rd they've scored 90 runs this month which is 25th they've hit 19 home runs which is 26th so it's not the offense that's doing it it's 
been the pitching the whole time. And just when we think you can't lean on them hard enough, you have to lean on them even harder because every time somebody has a decent game, they're on the IL the next day. I mean, Tommy Hunter went on the IL. I didn't even realize he was on the IL. What did he do? He got a base hit, gave a great interview, and now his back is out. I don't get what's going on. It doesn't matter who it is. This team has found ways to patchwork and put people out there, and they continue to win ball games. The only saving grace for the Mets as of right now, and it is only May, and I'm joking, of course, about the manager of the year. This team, when they play, teams that are under 500, they're 22 and 10, Jake. 22 and 10 when they play teams that are under 500. And that's what you're supposed to do when you play bad teams. I feel like their schedule just hasn't had teams over 500 because everyone's been so terrible. And if you look at teams that are over 500 throughout this year, they're 2-10. and 10. So thank goodness they're running into teams that are struggling as well. We said this about the Braves lineup. The Braves lineup, when we're watching those games, it had you know, four of their main guys, and then five guys that you've never heard of before, five guys who shouldn't be in the lineup every day. And every team is really dealing with a lot of injuries. Doesn't matter. Somebody has to win. Somebody has to lose. That's the game of baseball. And I'll take winning no matter what and by any uh, any means necessary. But these lineups every day, <laughs> Luis Rojas, this man is making magic happen with these lineups and putting these guys in positions that they've never played before. That's the crazy part. You got guys playing out of position. You got Brandon Drury in left field. You got Mazika uh, Magic at first base. I was shocked Mazika to see that. Mazika Magic at first base. It's like, you know what? You want to try it? Now's the time to say, hey, yeah, I'll give it a whirl. Give me an opportunity to play and I'll play. Saving grace always, I say, is when these guys get healthy and they come back. Because this is not even close to the Mets team that left to come up north after spring training. But they're still in first place. Still pitching well and playing well enough to stay atop of the National League East. 17 players now are on the injured list. The number updates every day. Bavada and Vegas is going to have lines of who's the next Met to get injured. It's unbelievable. Let me have a coming of age. Now that I did my nine games, six days, I have a day of rest somewhat today. I will have a coming of age moment right now, Figgy, in a growth after a I week. I thought it was six days, nine games. Six days, nine games. In my brain, I has got nothing left. I mean, it was just it was a sports bender. Uh, <laughs> It wasn't even drinking every night. I mean, some of them, yes, but, like, it was just a bender. And uh, I will have a coming-of-age moment, Figgy, after all the amazing but true shirt promo. Everyone made fun of me. Jeff Nelson, everyone said, do you do you have own any other shirts? Were you wearing the same one? <laughs> I, I, I have to watch some and give them out. It's just, it's just absurd. I will say this. Luis Rojas has done a solid job. Let me nice. let me give him his praise. This is a moment right now on Look, Amazing man, but True. I, I want to do. I wanted them to do on field drug testing or a field sobriety test when he brought in Jacob Barnes yesterday. Why did Gazelman close? Why didn't May close? I didn't understand that. Uh, I was confused. When he went to the bullpen and it was Jacob Barnes and his almost seven ERA, I sat there going. This man is just asking for it. Well, didn't you say that when Gazelman came? I mean, Gazelman's been better, but why is he closing? Same kind of thing. You figure, okay, let them, you know, try and figure out a way to get these three outs. It's three outs. Yeah, it's the hardest three outs in baseball, right, to get the save. You saw that Gazelman couldn't get the job done, and here comes their biggest hitter, guy who's having a fantastic season, and we're bringing in who? Jacob Barnes? 
And he goes out there and I laugh because I go, okay, he's going to run this cutter up in on his hands, you know, real tight. And he do a fastball right down the middle at 94. And I'm like, oh, geez, this is not going to be good. And got him to pop up. Don't ask me what the number was, what the metric was that they saw in that matchup, but it worked. It worked. And the Mets walked out of there sweeping the doubleheader. You had Edwin Diaz, who was electric again, you know, locking down the first game. Uh, Marcus Stroman, who's going to have to, you know, be that kind of a horse each and every time out uh, for this team if they're going to continue to contend until the the guys all get right. But it was um, a fun doubleheader to watch, even though I still laugh because I can't name all the guys on the field. And Cameron Maben, can you get a hit? Oh, my God. 0 for 26 streak for Cameron Maben. Honestly, the four-piece nugget is having more value by the day over Cameron Maben. It's been a long while since I've seen somebody and watched every single at-bat and looked as if he did not have a chance. As soon as he walked up there from the on-deck circle, his high leg kick to bad swing to bad contact ratio or non-contact ratio, because I think he struck out at least half of these at-bats, is alarming, absolutely alarming. And then you wonder why, how did they get him from the Cubs? It's Cameron Maben is a you know big leaguer. And you wonder if, like you said, the four-piece Chicken McNugget was too much. We could have went with a three-piece and, and you know saved one at least. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no barbecue sauce included. There's no sweet and sour. It's just straight-up nuggets. And I'd rather have the four-piece than Cameron Maben. I didn't think I would. <laughs> and, you know, I got emails after the Nets game, like a 10-piece for $2. I'm like, give me the 10-piece and let's trade Cameron Maven for that 10-piece. That's He almost had a hit Thursday. Like, I'll give him credit. It was a good defensive play. I was right there behind third. I was like, it's happening. Uh, do you believe in miracles? Yes, Maven. Oh uh, I can't do many voices. My voice is shot right now. But I, uh, I'm i worried about him. Like, this is a new level of ineptitude. And uh, he's still playing every day. And I don't mm-hmm. know if there's not much the Mets could do here. Obviously, uh, more to the IL. Uh, Fargus, who was becoming a fan favorite in his first game at City Field, I'm there. I've seen two people die at City Field this year. Cause of death, what? center field wall. Albert Amore mm-hmm. Jr. and Joneshwi Fargus, who we sang his praises. I literally sang his name on Monday's episode, and I sang him to death sentence, apparently. <laughs> Jeez, he, you're, you're the mush. Yeah, he's he's, he's another, another one bites the dust. <sighs> Doom. Like, who isn't on the IL? I am on the IL. Figgy, are are you feeling any shoulder pain? Are you going to land on the IL this weekend, Memorial Day? I I never haven't felt shoulder pain. I used to laugh all the time when some of these Mets pitchers were like, you know, if they told me if I'm not 100%, you know, not to pitch that day, and I'm laughing going, (laughs) I haven't been 100% since Little League, bro. (laughs) Let's let's be real about the, the situation. Speaking of shoulder pain, by the way, you've had a lot of it. You wake up with it. Noah Syndergaard wakes up oh. with it. And Figgy, talk about a buzzkill. I mean, you we were ready to see him in a few weeks. We were ready to see him by the start of Hot Boy Summer on June 21st when the summer begins. You know, Syndergaard's Mr. Thirst Strap. So, he, you know, he always posts the thirst straps, the shirtless pictures all over the place, shows up the body. The girls salivate just like when they, you know, when they see my hairy, hairy chest. The Syndergaard, they see that and elbow inflammation. One inning. You were scared. You're like, why did they pull him? You know, you were precautionary. And the line that you always get, Figgy, is, 
We're not too worried about it. Well, as soon as they say we're not worried about it, shoo 60-day day IL out for the season. And now he's out at least until August. And we were discussing this before the show, is that he's going to be a free agent. So it's a weird spot for him because he's going to want to come back to, one, prove himself because he's going to be a free agent. Two, he doesn't want to go into the offseason as a free agent without having been seen pitched uh, in two years. So there's a lot going on wrong for him. And if he re-injures himself, it's a third year on the shelf. And it's like you forgot who the guy is, and he's going to have to fight for any kind of contract next year. Now he's got the stuff where someone will pay him, but it'd be shocking if it's the Mets if we don't see him at all this year. So that was frustrating, elbow inflammation. Are, are you worried? Do you think there's a chance we don't see him again in a Mets uniform? You know, it... <sighs> The guy that knows that better than anybody is the Mets pitching coach currently, Hafner. He was, you know, he had a good start to his career. Tommy John tries to come back. Another Tommy John, done. At 34 years young, he's the Mets pitching coach right now. Not saying that that's, you know, Noah's trajectory at all, but it is alarming. And for me, alarming, I remember when Matt Harvey came back from his first surgery and in spring training, he hit 100 the very first day. And you're like, whoa. You know, these guys are different. And then Syndergaard comes back and he's only throwing 93 to 95. And normal human beings are happy with that. Like they kept talking about it in the media. You know, he sat 93 to 95. Okay, good. You're supposed to kind of just get the kinks out, throw strikes, get through the innings. Went four innings that first game, had some strikeouts. Everybody said all for all case and purposes, he looked good. And then the next game where he's like, I only topped out at 95. I'm going to try and really gas it up this time that's that's my feeling my feeling is that he tried to gas it up tried to go pedal to the metal and see if he really could just let it go and they said his velocity went from mid 90s to mid 80s and that at the end of that first inning warming up for the second inning that is alarming that is immediately alarming when you get those kind of reports from people who were down there and they started tweeting that kind of information out. That's information that nobody wanted to hear, or, or the Mets definitely didn't want out, because they were like, oh, no, it's just precautionary. He's feeling a little tightness, a little soreness. No, that's not tightness or soreness. And you can see now that they're erring on the side of caution by giving him the next two months to uh, rehab, get stronger, and hopefully be back in August. He comes back in August, it's like getting uh, somebody's best pitcher at the trade deadline. Oh, you hear that a million times it's over. Getting a but... waiver deadline acquisition, you know, the August 31st waiver deadline. It's like you get one of those guys. But now what you're hoping is what kind of mental strain is this on him more than even the physical strain? Because that starts setting in your mind too. He's always going to be, well, it doesn't feel right. Something doesn't feel right. And that's a scary thing to pitch with. Yeah. I mean, I, I wake up with something not feeling right daily. But when you're pitching and trying to make millions of dollars, that's a different story than walking six feet to a podcast microphone. So I think uh, Syndergaard, I'm worried, man. I think there's a chance we don't see him this year. And you worry too because the hope was Carlos Carrasco would be back like now like we thought memorial day weekend he'd be back now they're saying the earliest is late june early whenever they say the earliest that you add a month it's it's Mets time you add a month to that so he might be out to july conforto might be out to july mcneil might be out to july how many billy mckinney's and cameron mabins are going to acquire to try to fill the spots like yes it's good they're still in first and it's good the division has been bad but is this going to last into the month of June and July? Because we know the Braves are better than the record. We know the Phillies are probably at least a little bit better than the record. Maybe not. And the Nationals are probably better than what they've been playing like. It's just been sloppy baseball. Not only the division, I feel like across the league, we talked about it. The averages. Did you see low. that Javi Baez play? Yeah, that, what, that was like Bad News Bears ass. Oh, my God. How is that legal? I thought they said, I was watching the breakdown by John Boy, and I thought that wasn't really legal, or the, the umps didn't know what the rules were. I don't know. 
if they get the way it normally works is if you get the out at first before it doesn't matter if that run scores if the third out is made he has to go past the base so they just tagged that there was two outs yeah so they just had to tag bias no matter what yeah. they just had not even tag him yeah just tag him or step on first so when they, they could he could have turned around and flipped it the first but when he threw it home he scores that run wouldn't count if they just got him out at first. Did Bias strike out? That was a strikeout. What was no? The... He hit a ground ball. Hit a ground ball to third. They threw it across. It was a wide, a wide throw. So that's when he stopped, and then he started going backwards. So all they had to do was tag first base, and the tag inning first been base over. innings over. <laughs> Doesn't matter if the run scores. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, you gotta be kidding me. The third out is made because he didn't get to first yet. Yeah, and the Pirates aren't even in the NLE. So how did that happen? I mean, that's oh, <laughs> two. I, 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 it was it was very very sad to see and, and you know a lot of former major leaguers are like wow this is this is the new game stick to permanti brothers not baseball pittsburgh <laughs> <laughs> it's a great sandwich out there you know i had betty hana at the yankee game on thursday which is truly a staple a jake brown birthday special every year i go to betty hana so i will give yankee stadium credit if some of their fans are hooligans some of the signs they bring in are, are insane. Banners, whatever you want to call it. A lot of crazy people. It is awful getting around. I mean, that stadium is just colossal. Good luck. There should be a lost and found human section. There's a human section. <laughs> you go to lost and found, and you find a group of humans finding their section. I mean, it's so hard to get around, but I will give them one thing. They do have Benihana, and I, it was shrimp season. And I had that Benny Hanna shrimp, a little hibachi shrimp figure. You could do some sh hibachi shrimp in your life. Oh, yeah. Please, hibachi anything, bro. That's always a good time. That's one of the Figueroa staples on birthdays. So we, we usually, mom, dad, go to Brooklyn, Ariane. Oh, yeah. uh, do they cook it in front of you with the I heart you oh, sign yeah. and everything? Cook it in front of you. You, you do the dance to the song. Yes. They give you the little Buddha, Mai Tai kind of drink. <laughs> and then uh, they take the picture and you put that up on the refrigerator. That's usually a staple in the Figueroa family. And we've been doing that for years. Uh, I thought I was alone in Hibachi birthday dinner. I guess that's a theme <laughs> across the world. Uh, I think there's flame in the city. They shoot, they squirt in your pause sake i think sake. in your mouth it was epic i was like wow this is cool this is cool uh, um, did they light it on fire too yeah it was now that would have been cool yeah they lit it on fire in your <laughs> mouth and then squirted it and they said you know there's there was no you sign no releases whatever happens happens <laughs> at flame uh what, what stays at flame doesn't leave flame but yeah i mean a lot of injury <laughs> problems but Vicky, this show is it is friday happy Fr happy memorial day weekend god bless america taiwan walker's back and taiwan walker figgy has been a Cy Young candidate so far. And I think it is, as the, the feds come and get me here uh, in a story, it's, it's a weekly tradition. Zach Braziller fulfilled our ambulance quota last week with his grumbling Chipotle stomach and his, his dog in the distance. And now it's me this week. Taiwan Walker is huge because we thought there was a chance. You worried when he went on the IL, he'd miss time, but he's back. And while this series could entirely get rained out and you'll be watching, no shame in it, watch the Knicks all weekend in a monster series against the Hawks. This is big because because now you have Walker, Peterson, DeGrom going this weekend. And getting DeGrom back was big. Just did DeGrom things. And in typical DeGrom fashion, gets pulled after five innings. Doesn't get the win. The Mets take the lead in the sixth for him. And he doesn't get the win because of it. I mean, you can't make it up anymore. Uh, you get why Rojas pulled him. Precautionary reasons, Figgy. Coming back from the IL, 60 pitches. I mean, kind of a joke. Let him go 80. But maybe if he stays in, the Mets don't score. Because they have that, that sickness to them where they don't give him run support. But I think having at least four here with Walker... Peterson to Grom and Stroman pitching the way he has. And even Lucasia has stepped up the last couple of starts. You're beating the teams you should. I think having the rotation somewhat in order with this Syndergaard news is a little bit 
of a breath of fresh air for Mets fans. Yeah, and the starting pitching has been phenomenal all year long. I think they're continue to to do well, and it's just now about health, man. It, it's really about health because I still every time I see a guy on the mound, kind of just do a little bit of a shake or a stretch or move his arm a little differently, and I start to worry. I'm not. I don't know what it is. There's no rhyme or reason to it. All the injuries in baseball, you know. Some people are like, oh, it was because of such a short season last year. That time off is usually the best for your body to recover, for your body to – and it wasn't like they were like, oh, you know, I only played 60 games. I'm only going to train half as hard. They knew they were going to hopefully play a, a full season. They trained like this their whole careers. So uh, nobody let off the gas pedal during the offseason, and all of baseball did it. But it is highly alarming, the the rate that these players are going down. And, and you know, the worst part is is the re-aggravation of injuries. You know, guys come back maybe a little too soon and re-aggravate something make it even worse and now they're out for a much longer period of time so Taiwan Walker being back is good news excited to see him again and just keep playing competitive baseball man just keep playing competitive baseball and they've done that and the defense has actually been really really good you know for all the stuff that we give uh Lindor he's played really good defense he made a few dazzling that, oh, that stretch yesterday oh my goodness what a play that ball was the, so far up the middle with the glove so, flip too so far up the middle I was like there's no shot that ball's up the middle he made the dive and then the glove flip and weren't able to turn too but his defense has been outstanding and uh Nobody is, is more upset about his hitting than he is. But part of playing winning baseball is finding other ways to help the team win. And he has done that with the defense, solidified them up the middle. And this team has played nice defense. And it doesn't happen to coincide because J.D. Davis hasn't been playing. It coincides. I mean, look, they, they, the last couple of weeks with him out, they've been playing a lot better defensively. And they have. And they, they have, um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that now you're looking at. And even with uh, McCann playing first base, he looks like a fish out of water on certain plays. You saw that yesterday. Stroman had to cover the first base two, two or three times running over there because he was like, I moved too far to the right. I went and got a ball. I went to, so he's learning it on the fly as well. Pete will be back uh, soon as, as well. We're hoping by the latest early next week. That would be big. They need a, because how many more McKinney's and Kevin Mabins could we have hitting clean of them? They should give us the money back for the ticket for that. I mean, come on. So let's get Pete back in line. And you mentioned JD. We didn't even mention that he had a setback in rehab as well. So he's, I mean, how many setbacks are we going to have with the Mets, with this country, with everything? With so many setbacks. <laughs> the word setback is the new COVID in Mets land. I mean, every guy rehabbing Nimmo had the setback. We don't know when he's going to be back. So setbacks and setbacks, Figgy. I can't take the word setback anymore. There's always things that trigger you, and I can see that being the new one. That and uh, we're out of chicken parm. Yeah, <laughs> they still don't have the parm stand open. I did at the Nets game have meatballs over the weekend, which were very good from parm. It was called parm. So uh, let me <laughs> let me not me let me not mention too much food. You did say chicken parm, so you fulfilled the Jimmy quota today. Not me. I, I know you like Figgy, Jimmy, but don't worry. You mentioned chicken parm as well. We're going to do a, a little addition coming up. We got Susie Hunter joining a little bit. I'm going to add a segment to the show today out of nowhere because we're just having some fun. Coming up next, before we get to Susie Hunter, another installment of Figgy's Fables, as Figgy tells a story from his playing days, right here on the number one Mets podcast. Amazing but true. All right, in the first installment of Figgy's Fables, you heard about the Philly fanatic and why Figgy thinks he is the best mascot in baseball from his days there. Figgy, installment number two. You got a story from your Mets days for us at all. 
I do. Uh, well, partly from my Mets days, partly just from they're playing the Atlanta Braves coming up. And so when you think about the Atlanta Braves, you always think about that amazing starting rotation that they had, right? And the big three, Hall of Famers, all three of them. Normally, I like to, you know, reach back to some stories about me pitching, whether good, bad, or indifferent. But this time, it was what I was able to do with the bat. As you said, I, you didn't think I was a good enough hitter. I would love to wager and see how many pitchers can say this. I have a hit off of Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. A hit off all three. So for a guy who is a reliever, mostly in his career, a guy who spot started and, and whenever that matchup came, oh great, who am I pitching against today for the Braves? Ah, Greg Maddox. Who am I pitching against? John Smoltz. Uh, that wasn't a fair matchup, needless to say. However, in of which I, I got a hit off each one of those guys. And one of my biggest highlights of my career was pitching against the Braves and Greg Maddox. It came in a Brewers uniform, but I started out the game and very quickly within the first, I think, five batters, we were down three nothing and Greg Maddox is pitching against me. And I'm like, all right, well, it's been fun. I'll probably be in the shower by the third inning and you know, see how long I can avoid getting yanked out of this game. Get out of the first inning. Manager says, you know, we're going to keep you in there. Give us as much as you can. I said, all right. I go back out there. I wind up not giving up another hit until either the sixth or seventh inning. But during that time, we kind of scratch back a little bit, scratch back a little bit. And it was like the fourth inning, I believe, when we're down three to two and we had man on second and third because somebody had just hit a double that scored two runs. They walked the catcher to get to me. And I'm thinking, all right, here I am. I'm going to get pulled out. You know, they're going to put in a pinch hitter in this situation. They left me in there. And first pitch, Greg Maddox, ridiculous wiffle ball sinker. And I turn on it, jam job, base hit up over Chipper Jones' head for a single with two RBIs, wind up taking the lead. And I wind up beating Greg Maddox after losing the game, starting out losing the game three to nothing. So I wind up getting a win against future Hall of Famer Greg Maddox. And that was one of the biggest highlights of my career, especially early on. It was like my second year in the big leagues. So that to me was the gold standard of pitching was Greg Maddox, a guy who did not throw 90, but I mean, you saw what he was capable of doing. And so to have an opportunity to have that game, and I had a quote in the newspaper that said, I'm so glad that we, I won't have to watch this on VHS tape because I'm about to wear out a DVD, I think how many times I'm going to watch this replay of this game. So it was, a, it was an amazing uh, thing to face those Braves. Those Braves were, remember, they won 14 straight Eastern Division titles, 14. So that was a juggernaut of a organization, of a team. And, you know, we thought they were going to be better this year, and they will be better. So you haven't seen the best of the Braves as of yet, but it'll be uh, hopefully an exciting series this weekend. Some would say it's amazing, but true. And in that second season, I will give you credit, Figgy, that you were six for, I guess, one of these hits was one of, one of these six hits. Six for 24 with four runs scored in an RBI. Holy cow, folks. He's up for the Silver Slugger Award. Six That's for 24, right. 250, four hits, four runs, six hits, one double, one RBI, one walk. Whoever walked you, I hope, lost their job that day. Eagle eyes. Do you, know who, eyes, do you remember who walked you? No, I have no idea. And then you had a triple in your career, I'm seeing, mm -hmm. in 2009 with the Mets. The I don't remember this. You had three RBIs, and you had a triple, and you had a walk that – I mean, you had one, two, three, four, five walks in your career, but how about a triple? Did you need oxygen when you got to third base? No, actually, I was pissed that they didn't send me the whole way. I would have made it closer than Janeshwi Fargus did in uh, Miami. I, I That was the uh, Jonathan Nice game where he blew out his hamstring. How dare you hate on my Lord and Savior Janeshwi Fargus. <laughs> that was the 
Jonathan Nice game where he blew out his hamstring and I'm standing there watching and we see him get up and they walk him back and he throws his first warm-up pitch and he collapses. I'm like, oh, got to get going. I start rapid firing and they just tell me to come in from the bullpen. They give me warm-ups on the mound. I get my warm-ups on the mound. I get out of the inning and uh, very next very next inning, we had guys on, uh, two guys on, and I hit a triple. It was uh, Rick Ankiel tried to make a diving catch in left center field, and it ricocheted off his glove and went behind him. And I was flying around the bases. I got to third, standing up, no problem. And I had already made the turn. And Razor Shines, that's right, Razor Shines, one of the best baseball names ever. Razor Shines holds me up at third base, and he's like, "If you blow out your hammy too, I'm, I'm out of job. They're gonna fire me." So I got held up when I thought I had a chance at it. I, I should have just went right through the stop what sign. What a baby razor. Come on, bro. Send him home. Get him his only career homer. Be inside the parker that went none other pass than Rick Ankeel, who played every position in the books. Mr. Yips to Mr. Outfielder, Rick Ankeel. I mean, how about that? I was going to say it had to be a diving play for a triple because a, a gapper, that was what? 2000, uh, not, that was still at, that was City Field. It was the first year of City Field. So actually a gapper, it was the grand. Canyon, so something in the gap at City Field. The great, the great wall of flushing, you know, proved to be uh, take out many of the power hitting righties like me. It wasn't meant to be, but at the same time, uh, that's one of the things that I'll miss when they go to the Universal DH is that guys that can handle the bat, guys like Jacob Degrom who can handle the bat. And it's not about hitting a home run; it's about putting a ball in play, not being an easy strikeout, not being a what Taiwan Walker do a couple of weeks ago, just stood there with the bat in his hand and watched three right down the middle. Like to me, that's not competitive. That's not fun to watch. And that's not fun to watch or fun to even you know be a part of as a as a player. So it was something I took a lot of pride in the ability to handle the bat. Sacrifice bunts were big. I know I had a very high percentage because I worked at that. Uh, that was something that was a part of my craft. I had to be able to do a lot of things well because I wasn't good at just one thing. We're going to have to have razor shines on to uh, get you a steak dinner for not sending you home and costing <laughs> you your only career home run. Speaking of steak, joining us next on Amazing But True, we'll talk about stadium food and traveling all 30 stadiums this summer with the great Susie Hunter. <laughs> And joining us now on Amazing But True, we have a special guest in the building. And we were jamming till 2 a.m. to High School Musical remixes. Joining us now is Susie Hunter at the Susie Hunter. If you're a baseball fan, you might follow her. You know, she's got a, a good following. She was on Connecticut uh, TV on WTNH. And now she is touring the world. World tour. She's like Justin Bieber in this building. Susie Hunter at the Susie Hunter on all social media platforms. Suze across the America. Susie, great to have you on. Haven't seen you in uh, eight hours. We had a blast yesterday. Lots of stories. Lots of vlogging. But you're on the road again, in the words of whatever song that is. And now off to D.C. after we pulled off a four-game, one-day extravaganza. That's one for the history book. You do not get to do that very often. Maybe never. What a day. But yeah, I'm heading to D.C. later on tonight for a game that's probably going to get rained out. <laughs> Tell us about the journey. Now, you're doing it for the Boys and Girls Club. Tell the listeners, you know, who you're supporting, where you're going, what's what's the plan? Yeah, so I'm doing 30 ballparks this season, and then I'm going to use that opportunity to raise money for the Boys and Girls Clubs of America. I got the chance to cover them when I was a reporter. I've done some uh, volunteering and fundraising. So I just love them so much. They do amazing stuff. And I want to raise $30,000, a grand for every ballpark. That's a big number. But you can find that fundraiser. I have a link to 
all of the GoFundMes and stuff like that on my website, thesusiehunter.com. You can find it on my social media, but it's going to be really exciting. And so far, the feedback's been amazing and very overwhelming. I am so excited. How many stadiums have you been to so far? What What is the number? Yeah, I've been to four so far this season, two of them yesterday. See, that's even more interesting because you decided to take Jake along in this journey. And if you have a budget, and I know he didn't pay for food, so it must have been on your dime. No, I definitely and pay as- for the drinks. <laughs> at the end of the night. I yeah, if you had to town. choose one of the two things, right? <laughs> I'd rather pay for Jake's drinks than Jake's food. I could just tell you that right now. <laughs> I actually didn't eat a lot. All I had was Benny Hanna at the game, a, a Yankee Stadium <laughs> special. And I it was ate- a good base. It was a good base. Yeah, Benny Hanna was it. Was and, then Benny P- Hanna. and then pizza at night. That, that was the capper. But Benny Hanna and pizza, bro. Yeah, for you, that's not much. So I, I, You guys actually got a chance to enjoy some baseball. And as a Met fan, some good baseball when they win. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Rockies fan, so um, ah, bad you know, that was you. a little disappointing for me because I used to cover their farm team up in Hartford, the Yard Goats, best name in baseball ever. Yeah, I'm a Rockies fan because of that. I'm only hurting myself sometimes. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit, and thank goodness for their ineptitude. What did you say their record was on the road this year? 3-20, and 20. pretty terrible. 3-20. and 20. Oh, the timing is just right for the Mets double-A team to be facing them. <laughs> it was an uneventful day there. Like, it was no hardly any scoring. Our guy, Hunter. Mr. Hundred Thousand Shot, we Justin you. We sat next to him at the game, next to the Rockies dugout. Sue saw an old yard goat. She's the, the yard goat. Someone recognized her about the yard goats at Yankee Stadium. We were getting recognized at each ballpark. We were like local celebrities out there uh, at the stadiums, and that, that's an elitist comment right there. As Sue's heard about as that, you're wearing a, as you're wearing as you're wearing a shirt with your own face on it. <laughs> <laughs> Elitist season is in full force right now. Jimmy, Jimmy hates you. Jimmy is Jimmy. I wonder if Jimmy heard that show and he hasn't hit us back. So he didn't write another review. I think they only let you write one. I thought he'd have a burner Apple podcast account. You know, those are coming out of the woodworks. But Sue's so far, how many total stadiums have you been to in your life? Like you've been to more than four. You've been to a lot more, right? I've been to more than four, but not a lot more. I am really behind in the stadiums that I need to visit. I've been to a lot of minor league parks for sure, but this was also a really great chance for me to kind of catch up because I feel like I'm a little behind. Which one are you looking forward to most? What have you loved the most so far? Now, you've been to City Field, the Yankee Stadium in the past, but which stadiums have you loved the most? Like, what has the best, like, food selection? And which ones have, haven't you been to? You know, that's important information. Uh, comelon. 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 <laughs> Fat ass. Uh, <laughs> she, we'll have another student in the academy, free of charge. Buy one, get one free. I, I paid for your um, tuition. Suze gets it for free. Wow, what a treat. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, tell us some of the stadiums that you love and what you're looking forward to. I'm definitely looking forward to going back to Coors Field, of course. They have great food there. They have probably the best nachos. They do these monster nachos with this green chili queso. They are so good. So I'm really excited to just have those again. Well, because everyone's stoned there, too, so they need the better food for... <laughs> Denver everyone's high at the game so I probably won't be at the game but uh I am excited to I'll get to go to the all-star game I think so that'll be really fun I've never been to one and you are a nacho aficionado now you are formerly of nacho scout Not formerly my gosh um, so my best friend and I do a food blog and we do it about ballpark food it's called nacho scout my best friend Amanda and I do it she'll be in DC this weekend so if we get to a game if they're not all rained out maybe we'll do a little nacho review down there i've never had the food at the nat stadium but you are the minor league queen as well you love these minor league parks big yard goat energy what is it about the minor league games the alert i've been to some they're fun 
But some stadiums and views, there's like a special feel to it. Figgy knows. Figgy is the all-time uh, strikeouts leader in the history of minor league baseball. Did you know that? I did not know that. Congratulations. <laughs> and I may need to uh, sign with the Yard Goats because there's one guy that's only like 100 strikeouts behind me and he's still active. So if he gets sent to the minor leagues, I might have to get back in. I don't care what level it's at. I just need strikeouts. Oh, man. Okay, we got we to gotta make this happen. <laughs> I like it. But what is that allure, Suze, of, of the minor league stadiums? And are there any that stand out? I'm curious because minor league stadiums need to get some love here in Amazing But True because the Mets have a minor league team on the field, so we need to show them some love. Oh, my gosh. You know, there's just something so special about how intimate a minor league stadium is. There is amazing energy at all of them. They try so hard to get you in there, so there's always some kind of fun promo. You can't beat it. And I've been to a bunch, and I love every single one of them for the unique weirdness it has. Yeah, the minor league stadiums, minor league games, and the the way that they run their promotions even is just so different. You know, you're getting these players, and some of them are the future superstars, and your local Walmart will have three or four of them on a Saturday morning signing autographs. You get a chance to get close. And even sometimes we we used to get housed by the families so you had a chance to you know have a ball player stay with you and your son for the summer and then you get the chance to tell the story how you had a future major leaguer staying with you so it's a lot of fun to interact in that way in those smaller communities it is a little uh testing at time when you come from a big city where you can't get around or you don't know where to go to get things the level of ball play of course like i've said before if you're given an opportunity to see these guys you'll see some guys who throw harder hit the ball further run faster than anybody you've ever seen before they just may not make it over to the major league so if you have a chance to do it it's more economical you get a chance to uh, have the whole family go with you instead of just one ticket <clears throat> jake brown um and have an opportunity to have a, a good time with, with everyone for the same price as one major league ticket well said that's beautiful that yeah that is the other thing too it's like you get to see these guys you also get to see a lot of guys before they make it to the majors and like that's how I became a Rockies fan like you get like attached to these guys because you'll like they're great like they're it's just it's fun to watch them move up and I get emotionally attached now here I am Fuentes you saw yesterday and he sees Susan left the dugout I'm I do this Fox thing with our homie Jennifer Williams who shows up at the end of the night at stands and Fuentes looks up and says Suze is that you so getting recognized by your old pal before the second game started how about that that made me so happy because, like, you never remember if, like, people are going to remember who you are. So it's just like, wait, this is great because he's a great kid, too. So uh, that kind of, like, made that made my game for sure. Now, Suze has Mets ties as well, Figgy, because she is a firm believer that Bobby Valentine invented the rap. Explain. I'm obsessed with Bobby oh, Valentine also. So <laughs> we've heard we've heard this story a lot when I used to work at SNY, how he invented the rap and he's going to go down fighting because he's, he's still going to claim it. But Bobby V is definitely one of the great characters in the game and, and Mets history. And he never disappoints in an interview. He always has a, a story up his sleeve. He always has a anecdote that he can always drop on you. And yeah, anytime you get a chance to spend time with Bobby V, you take that opportunity. Do we think he's going to win? Is he going to win mayor of Stanford? Like, does he have a shot? I don't know the candidates. He's already the mayor of Stanford. Stop it. Yeah, but he needs the official title. He needs the office in the uh wherever it is and i'm curious who he's running up against again not really that curious but i it doesn't even matter i hope i hope he wins but she also has more mets ties because the mets radio booth has talked about her bill was it billy kinley tyler (laughs) kinley tyler kinley he's a rockies reliever who 
you know, when teams ask you for fun facts, his fun fact is that he is related to President William McKinley, but the family changed the last name because of the assassination. They wanted to maintain their safety. But that story kind of doesn't make any sense. And I did a whole Twitter thread back in April about how, like, that's not possible. Like, I traced the McKinley uh, lineage. I traced Tyler Kinley's whole lineage, like back to like the 1800s. It was like really aggressive. Took me like forever to do. So like a couple of people like saw the thread, but it sometimes it still comes up on broadcast. So I guess they were talking about it in, in the booth. That's trolling to the next level right there. I went all the way back to his lineage in the 1800s. I think Wayne and Howie brought him. I mean, Howie, I, I said, I'm, I'm sitting next. He didn't answer the text. I said, I'm sitting next to Susie Hunter because they wanted more details. They messed Someone messaged Susie and they said like Howie and Wayne or would want more details of this situation. So I was trying to provide the insights from the source herself. Um, Sue's so clearly a lot of time on your hands. I bet you if your mom TV. texted it, he would have answered. <laughs> exactly. Like so, do you, do we have more? What more info do they want? Do you have any more to add, Sue? Because clearly you've spent a, just a ridiculous amount of time on on this topic. But I respect the the hustle towards it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what else they want to know, but I guess I'm happy to answer questions because I feel like I just know everything about this guy's family. It, like, it's all through public records, too, but, like, it just feels still so weird. Yeah, well, we're going to look up uh, the Kinley family tree. Uh, what's the site? 23 and then Ancestry.com. Uh, I, I actually, I use Ancestry.com for a lot of this because it just, like, is really good at, like, linking records and all of that. And I am a hobby genealogist in general, so this was, like, a nice intersection between baseball and genealogy so yeah that's that's what i do now sues across america sues across presidency sues across kinley's <laughs> any other any other titles <laughs> sues around the world just uh you love to see it the uh i'll tweet out the link later it's a check go sues across america uh the patreon to pay for the gas to pay for the elitist meals on the road you know roy rogers and uh and chick-fil-a and, and mcdonald's and uh whatever else it's the road but Suze it was a great day I mean let's see so we we get we go to the Mets we didn't get there until we saw like the last out of the first game I look for a quiet spot to the Fox thing Suze says hi to Fuentes recognizes her the Mets win the second game it was extending long she convinced me during the second game to go to the Yankee doubleheader because the thought of four games in one day and six days nine games for the sake of niceness Suze is a very nice uh supporter of the six nine energy so we had to pull it off the numbers just aligned you know there was it was a match made in heaven the lump numbers were aligning and then the Yankee Stadium I mean you guys gotta stop it like there was one drunk hooligan who threw a Blue Jays fan hat into the bullpen he he chucked it sideways into the bullpen and Toronto and Canada people are so nice that this dude wasn't even that mad. We would have threw hands. We're, we're in New York. Like, we're throwing hands at this hooligan, getting him tossed. And it, the uh, hat uh, lands in the bullpen. So that happens. The flag happens that, that you saw a tweet out. Stands happen. There was We made so many friends. I don't even remember anyone's name, Suze. We acquired so many people. But um, there was a guy there wearing an Arenado jersey. And this guy comes up to him and he's like, I'm friends with Nolan's dad. He calls Nolan's dad and they have like a whole phone conversation. This guy's like, it, like tearing up. He's like so emotional. He's like, I'm just like so grateful. It was an unreal experience. I've never had a day like this at the ballpark. 
We chilled in this corner, standing room, like center field, and that might be the only spot we go to every game because you don't know what's going to happen over there. was so much. Every two minutes, like I went to the bathroom and like 10 new people showed up talking to Suze. I'm like, what, where we, what's going on? I've been gone for two minutes. So yeah, that Nolan out around, and it will be on the vlog. You have vlogged it, and the vlog father will be on there as well. There's a lot of vlog action. BVE, big vlog energy is coming. The- <laughs> it's going to be like a really good one to watch. Yeah, I'm pumped to see the final results of our of our shenanigans yesterday. The Susie Hunter is where you find her on Twitter and Instagram, thesusiehunter.com. Shout out to your sister for the web design. Yeah, she's and good. <laughs> yeah, I need I need my website redone as well. Go fund me. The Patreon will tweet it out. You can see it on her Twitter. Suze, great day. Enjoy the summer. Looking forward to seeing the post 30 ballpark extravaganzas and see all the vlogs, 30 vlogs in 30 days or whenever you No, post no, that's not a sustainable number. Thank you so much for having me on, though. I appreciate it. That says adios to episode 55, the Frank Howard edition of Amazing But True, our Mets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to you, Jake, and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Give Amazing But True a five-star rating and write in a nice review on Apple Podcasts, please. Gracias, mis amigos. For Nelson Figueroa, I'm Jake Brown. We'll be back on Monday after the Mets' three-game set in Queens against the Braves. We'll see how many games they get in with the rain coming. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend, folks. Let's go Mets, and let's go Knicks!